You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on iTunes. This week, Senior Minister Adam Hale begins our new sermon series, Boundless Love, with a message from the book of Hosea. Thank you for listening, and as always, we hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Have a great week. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Renell. You know, sometimes there's songs that say so much that there's really not need for a sermon afterwards. And yeah, I know, I knew that would get an amen. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, while that is one of those songs, you're still going to get a sermon. So I love that song, and, and it speaks to the heart of what we're going to be talking about this morning. I'm excited this morning because we're beginning a brand new series. It's going to be a four week series that we're calling Boundless. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at an Old Testament prophet by the name of Hosea. Now, when you, when you think about the Old Testament prophets, uh, we tend to skip over those a lot in our Bible reading. We, we have the, the major prophets. You know, you've got Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah. And we have those guys. And then we have what's called the minor prophets. And that's guys with, uh, with odd names like Habakkuk and Nahum and Haggai and and sometimes because those names are hard to pronounce we just like we skip over them because we don't really understand we don't know their names that well and they're not written in chronological order so we're not sure when all these things that they're talking about take place and so we just tend to skip over them and if nothing else they're called the minor prophets and in our minds uh, because of we have you know the major leagues and the minor leagues and so we hear major prophets minor prophets we think that obviously the major prophets are more important. Well, that's not exactly the case. It's not that the major prophets are more important. It's that they had a lot more to say. The minor prophets, you can take all 12 of the minor prophets, put them in one collection, and they would not equal the length of, all, uh, the length of one of the major prophets. And so it wasn't that they were less important. They just didn't have as much to say. And so for those of you who sometimes question the length of my sermons, you should be thrilled that today we're, and for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at one of the minor prophets who didn't have as much to say as maybe Isaiah or somebody like that. So when we get to one of those series, that then you might worry about, uh, about length of sermon. You can bring your lunch that week or something. But the book of Hosea, it's got several prominent themes that, that are contained in this book. And one thing that we're going to see over and over and over and over and over and over again is that God's love is boundless. His forgiveness is boundless. His compassion is boundless. In fact, if you've never read the book of Hosea, this would be a good time to start. Just so that you, you're familiar with what's going on and what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. But if you've never read it or heard about the prophet Hosea, then what you're going to discover over the next four weeks is that there is no end to God's love. There is no length that God wouldn't go to to pursue you. And he uses the life of Hosea as, a, as an object lesson to illustrate just that very fact that, he, that his love is so great for us, that it's so uh, rich for us, that there's nothing that he wouldn't do in spite of ourselves. The story of Hosea is really a, a great illustration of just how great his, God's love is for His people. And the life of Hosea illustrates just that, that very thought that there are no links that are too great that God won't go to. If you've never heard the story of Hosea, let me give you a, a real simple version of it. There was a man named Hosea, and he loved God, and he was doing all the things that he thought God wanted him to do. And then one day God said, you're going to go find a wife, and her name is Gomer, and you're going to marry her. Now, we can just stop right there for a moment 
and think about what kind of man Hosea must have been. Hosea had to have been a good man to pursue a woman named Gomer. I mean, I know there are lots of reasons why people fall in love, and at the top of that list, name is probably not one of them. But I'm just going to tell you for myself, if Christie's name was Gomer, I don't know that I would have been as excited about dating Christie. And, you know, I, I remember the first time I met her, you know, I thought, man, she, she's cute. She's funny. She laughs at my jokes. So that's got to be a good thing, right? And I just thought, you know, man, if her name was Gomer, I think I would have probably said, hey, I've got a friend that I'd like to introduce you to. I mean, I can't, I don't know that I would, at the very least, I don't know that I would have been as excited about introducing her to, to my parents or to my friends. I can't imagine calling my mom and saying, hey, mom, I've, I've met this wonderful girl and, and she's pretty and she's, she's perfect for me. So here, here she is. I want you to meet her, her mom and dad, meet Gomer. I just don't. Like, I have a hard time envisioning myself doing that. And like I said, I know name is not the most important thing. But Gomer? Really? I mean, that makes me think of, you know, Andy Griffith and, and that Gomer. And I just, I can't imagine ever being married to someone named Gomer. But nonetheless, Hosea, he loved Gomer. And he loved her despite her name. And they had several children. And in fact, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about their children. So you'll get a, an opportunity to, to get to know their children a little bit better. And Hosea and Gomer, they had their three kids and they lived happily ever after. Except that their happily ever after wasn't quite so happy. You see, I left out a couple of important details. God told Hosea to go and find this woman named Gomer and that she would become his wife. And, I, and again, her name isn't all that great, and we don't really know if Hosea knew Gomer prior to, to God telling him this or, or if this was the first time that they had met. But God told Hosea, go and find this woman named Gomer, and you're going to marry this woman. And oh, by the way, she's a prostitute. Now, we think, okay, this godly man's going to go find this prostitute. That's going to be good for her. He's going to get her in off the streets. It's going to be a good thing for her. It's going to be a step in the right direction except that being married to Hosea did very little to slow down her prostituting. She maintained being a prostitute during their marriage. And so, Hosea, not only are you going to go marry this woman that's a prostitute, you're also going to have three children with her. And oh, by the way, they're not going to be your children. They're going to be illegitimate children that she has because of her prostitution. And, but you're going to raise them, and you're going to take care of them. And so, Hosea, you're going to marry this woman named Gomer, who's a prostitute, and you're going to take care of her kids. And she's not going to stop prostituting. In fact, she's going to continue to do that, and you're going to pay her expenses. You're going to, you're going to love her so much that you're going to continue to pay all of her expenses. All of the, you're going to take care of her even though she's not coming home at night. Oh, and, and one more thing. After a, a wild and de- night full of debauchery and no telling what else, she's going to get herself in a predicament where the man that she's sleeping with is going to take her to the slave auction, and he's going to sell her as a slave. Hosea, that's the woman that you're going to marry, and you're going to love her. Doesn't sound like uh, something that any of us would want to sign up for, does it? And you know, in our culture, there are lots of reasons why people uh, fall in love and then get divorced. And while a husband and wife finally would say, that's enough, I quit, I've, I've had it. There are lots of reasons. Some good, some bad, some for whatever. But nobody in our culture, if Hosea was a modern day story, nobody in our culture would look at Hosea and say, you know what, I get it. 
Nobody would, nobody would bat an eye if he chose to give up on his wife, if he chose to say, look, you've done all of this. I've taken care of your kids that are not mine. I have paid your expenses when I didn't have to. You, you can't even stay sober long enough to stay out of the slave auctions. I'm done. You can, you can have that life. Nobody would have blamed him. Not one person. And yet that's not anything close to what Hosea does. God said, Hosea, you're going to love this woman. And you're going to pursue this woman. And you're going you're to chase after her even though she's going to hurt you. You're going to continue to love her and chase her and pursue her. And so something incredible happens when Gomer is sold as a slave. Hosea gets word that, that she's been sold. And so he, he scrapes up all of the resources that he has. And he goes to the new owner of his wife. And he buys back his wife. That's an incredible testament to the love that Hosea had for this woman. It's, a, it's, a, it's really a great love story. And I get it, it's probably not a made-for-Disney story, but certainly a great love story about a man who loves a woman so much that he would put up with the worst that a spouse could do to you. Think about, think about in your marriage or in the marriages of people that you know, what, it might, what might be the worst thing that that person could do to their spouse. And when we think of the things in our minds, probably none of them come as close as to what Gomer did to Hosea. And yet, Hosea continued to pursue her. That's the story of God and His people. God said that this is going to illustrate how, how I love my people. You're, you're going to go off and you're going to pursue other things. The Israelite people, they're going to, they're going to chase after other gods. They're going to chase after other idols. They're going to chase after power and wealth and all of these other things. And yet God said, I'm going to continue to pursue you over and over and over again, even though you choose something besides me. There is no length that God wouldn't go to to continue to pursue us, to win us back and the affections of his people. You know, it's easy to see God's selfless, uh, forgiving love as illustrated through this story of Hosea marrying a prostitute. And we look at it and we say, yeah, that's a fine story, but ultimately it's detached from the real world, isn't it? I mean, after all, this story seems a little far-fetched, right? No, no man in their right mind would ever go through those kind of things and, and still pursue a woman. No, no man would do that, right? Well, this morning we're simply going to look at one verse found in the, book of, in the beginning of the book of Hosea. It's Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. And this is what... What, how this, this book begins. It says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through the prophet Hosea, He said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Now the very opening verses of this book make it clear that this isn't just a fairy tale story. That this isn't some story detached from the real world. That this actually happened. That there actually was a man named Hosea and there was a woman named Gomer. And this is historical narrative. We read this and, and oftentimes because we don't know the places that they're talking about and we don't understand the history that it's, that it's taking place in, we read this as if just it's a, it's a fairy tale that happened. But this is not a fairy tale. This is historical narrative and Hosea pursued Gomer and God pursued the Israelite people 
And the good news for us is that today, in spite of all of our our shortcomings, in in spite of all of our sins, that God pursues us. What I don't want you to miss is this, that because this actually happened, because this is a real story, not just a made-up fairy tale, that the forgiveness that was given to Gomer and the forgiveness that was given to the Israelite people is also available to us today. This is not a fairy tale. God didn't just make this up because he thought it would be a great story. And if, if that were the case, we could have came up with lots better stories. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a made-up story. This is real life. This really happened. And the same forgiveness that was given to Gomer, who didn't deserve it, the same forgiveness that was given to the Israelite people, who didn't deserve it, the, that same forgiveness is available to us, even though we don't deserve it. You know, it's easy to think that somehow we've done something that is so bad that God would, would never take us back. That we've done something that is so shocking, that's so surprising that God would say, okay, that's it, we're through, I'm, I'm done with you, I'm throwing in the towel, it's, it's over. And if God were to do that, if God were to say that, knowing what we know about ourselves, if we're really honest with ourselves, we wouldn't blame Him, would we? We would say, yeah, I get it, I understand. But nothing surprises God, not even our sin. So don't ever believe this lie that says that you've gone too far, that God's forgiveness can't reach you, because that's exactly that, a lie, because there is no bounds to God's love. There's no, you, you'll never be too far out of bounds. You'll never be too far gone. You'll never be too far removed that God's love would not still pursue you. You know, throughout the Scriptures, there's this analogy of God being married to us, being being the church. And we're often referred to in the Scriptures as the bride of Christ. And what a beautiful name that is for the church. And like all marriages, it has its problems, right? I don't know a marriage that exists today that hasn't had an argument, that hasn't had a fight, that hasn't threatened divorce at some point or another. And so the church being called the bride is is a beautiful name for us because it fits. Because there are moments when we don't act like good wives, we, we choose other things. We choose other people. But listen to how, how John describes the bride of Christ in Revelation chapter 21. John says, And I saw the holy city, the new city, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then in a few verses later, he says, Then one of the seven angels who, had, who held the seven bowls containing the seven last place came and said to me, Come with me. And I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And so he took me in the Spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me to a holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It's a beautiful analogy that we can also understand because most of us, most people, not all people, but most at some point in their adult adult life end up getting married. And so it's a beautiful analogy because it's one that we can relate to. Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 5 to describe the relationship between a husband and a husband and a wife and the Christ in the, and Christ in the church. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as, as to the Lord. Husbands, we love that verse, don't we? Like That's the verse that we all have underlined in our Bibles, right? It says, For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, husbands, this is the part we need to pay attention to. For husband, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church 
He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Don't miss that. That might be the most important line in this verse. And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Think about that in your own marriage, or maybe in the marriage of someone that you know. What would be the worst thing that your spouse could do to you? Any worse than what Gomer had done to Hosea? You know, oftentimes when news of an affair comes out, we're surprised. People that know the couple are surprised, and, and, and the person that's been cheated on is, is oftentimes completely blindsided. They never saw it coming. But think about this. Hosea wasn't caught off guard by, by Gomer's unfaithfulness. He knew what he was getting into when he married her. It wasn't like she started being a prostitute after they got married. When he went and found her, she was a prostitute. Hosea knew exactly what he was getting into. He wasn't caught off guard, and yet he pursued her. And he loved her. And here's the good news for us is that God isn't surprised by our unfaithfulness. Our sin, no matter how appalling, and it is appalling to God, doesn't catch him off guard. He knew what he was getting into when he entered into the relationship with us. He knew that because of our free will that there would be times where we would choose something or somebody over him. So he isn't surprised. So don't ever believe that your sin has surprised God or shot God so bad that he would call it quits. There's no sin that's too far out of bounds that God would say, that's it, it's over. God doesn't throw in the towel on his relationship with us. Instead, he pursues us with great aggression. And he uses all of his resources to bring us to repentance and back into a relationship with him. So much so that he would give up his son. Think about that. I love all of you in this room. And I would do just about anything for all of you. But to give up one of my kids, I don't know that that's happening. I just don't know that that's happening. In fact, you know, there, I, I might do give myself up, but I, I don't think that I could give up my kids. If God were to say, Adam, the only way that the people of Glendale Christian Church are going to go to heaven is for you to give up one of your children, for you to give up Noah or to give up Eli. You know what? As, as much as I don't want to admit this to you, my reaction to that would probably be, well, they're just going to have to go to hell because I'm not giving up one of my kids. And yet God's love for us is so relentless, is so great that he would give up his son, that he would allow his son to go to the cross for us so that we might have a happily ever after. Now, it might not, it might not be happily ever after on this side of heaven, but certainly on the other side of heaven. But this isn't a fairy tale, and neither was the life of Hosea. It's real life. And the love and the forgiveness that was offered to Gomer, to the Israelite people, it's the same love and forgiveness that's offered to us. 
God doesn't quit on us, so don't quit on Him. You know, if you were to put the end, put the words the end on the story too soon, it would make a terrible story. If we were to put the end on on Hosea and Gomer's story, if we were to say Hosea married Gomer and she became a prostitute, the end. That'd be a pretty bad story, wouldn't it? Or if we were to say Hosea married Gomer and she became a prostitute and then she was sold as a slave, the end. That would be a terrible story. You know, some of the stories that we, we've watched in movies on, on screen, if they were to put the end on it, it wouldn't make for a good, very good story if you've ever seen Beauty and the Beast. If, if, uh, what if, would happen if we put the end before Belle has a chance to tell the beast that she loves him, right before that last rose petal falls and, and it hits the ground and, and the beast dies? The end. What a terrible story that would be. Or maybe in Cinderella, you know, Cinderella loses her slipper and the, the chariot turns back into a pumpkin. The end. No, it'd be a terrible story, wouldn't it? We can't put the end too soon. One of my favorite movies of all time is, is called The Rookie. And The Rookie is based on a true story about a, about a dad who is a high school baseball coach and his team wins the district tournament. And the bet was that if, he would win, if they won the district tournament, then he would go to one of these open trials that the Tampa Bay Rays were having. And so they win the district, he goes to the trial, and, and he does really well, so much so that they want to they sign this uh, older 30s uh, pitcher to a minor league deal. And so he goes and he's, he pitch, he's pitching in the minor leagues. And his son absolutely adores him, looks up to him, and he calls him all the time, and he tells him what kind of progress he makes. But what a terrible story it would be if it was... Jim got picked up by the minor leagues, and he pitched in the minor leagues. The end. Kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? But there's this great scene in the movie where, where the manager calls him into his office, and he tells Jim, he says, hey, you're going to the big leagues. You're going to the big leagues. And so he gets on the phone, and he calls his little boy, and his little boy, I mean, they're just they're happy, and they're laughing, and they're crying, because this is the best possible news that they could have gotten. And, and so Jim goes and he pitches, actually in real life, he pitches for a couple of years in the major leagues, and his son gets to go see him pitch in the major leagues. And it's a great story. But if he had, if he had only ever just gotten to the minor leagues, or if he didn't go to the tryout, it wouldn't be very much of a story, would it? You know, there are tons of, of stories in the Scriptures that we can point to where if we put the end on it, it's not really all that great of a story. Adam and Eve... You know, they sin, they get kicked out of the garden. What would, what would the story be like if we said Adam and Eve, they sin, they got kicked out, the end? Not much of a, a, of a story there, is it? But then, we know the, how, the, how the end of the story goes, but then God clothed them. Jonah and the great fish, or Jonah and the whale, Jonah runs from God and he gets thrown overboard and a, and a fish swallows him, the end. Not much of a story, is it? But then, he did what God wanted him to do, and an entire city came to repentance because of it. What if he put the end after any scene in the story of Easter? It looks like a horrible and depressing narrative that isn't actually the end. During Jesus' ministry, he was betrayed by a friend and arrested and killed. The end. What a hopeless story that is. But fortunately for us, that's not the end because the story isn't that Jesus was, was arrested and killed and put in a grave, not the end, but then. 
Three days later, he rose from the grave. We can't put the end where God has said, but then. We're oftentimes, we want to put the end on our story too soon. We want to say, Adam, Adam has done some terrible things, and Adam's not worthy of redemption, and Adam's not worthy of God's love, and all of those things are true. The end. What a terrible story. But God never says the end. He says, but then. But then. Jesus came and he died for Adam's sins. Jesus came and he died for each of our sins. But then, don't put the end where God has said, but then. Because Hosea didn't give up on Gomer. He pursued her. And God didn't give up on the Israelite people. He pursued them. And God hasn't given up on me and God hasn't given up on you. He continues to pursue us. We are never too far gone, too far out of bounds for God to give up on us and to call it quits no just the opposite in fact we are the bride of Christ so church there's a wedding that's getting going to take place and we need to be ready for it we need to be dressed and ready for it and you know and here's the great thing about weddings because what happens after every wedding there's a reception right there's a party that's thrown and all of us like parties and so we get to be invited as the featured guest to a party that's thrown for us because God didn't quit on us, because God pursued us. So church, get ready for the wedding. Get ready for the wedding. Get dressed and get ready because we've got a wedding to be ready for because there's going to be a day where God comes back, where Jesus returns to the earth a second time, and He's coming to take His bride home so that they might live happily ever after. And it's not a fairy tale. It's real life.